Into the Nexus is a production of AMove.TV. Bookmark AMove TV for other great video games and esports podcasts. Into the Nexus is sponsored by listeners like you via patreon.com slash ITN. Greetings and welcome, everyone, and a happy new year. This is Into the Nexus, the first episode of 2021. I'm Garrett Weinzerl, here as always, with the one, the only, my my new plat buddy, Kyle Ferguson. <laughs> wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. There, there needs to be some, uh, I'm very proud of my diamond rank. Hang on, hang on. In a different assassin universe. We just leave it there. We just leave it there, and everyone can okay. just take that as they will. Okay. Just... No, I got advertised. No, we can't. We can't let the word get out that uh, that I've fallen so far. Uh, don't... <laughs> put a lot of work into that account. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you won't. We won't we're not going to be there long, man. If our trajectory continues, so don't worry. Well, well, we're, well we got some things to talk about today. This is, uh, by the way, everyone. Uh, I hope you enjoyed the previous episode. It was a lot of fun doing the AMA and whatnot. But we are back on the heroes landscape. This is a heroes podcast, after all. So get ready for some Heroes of the Storm talk today. Wait, did we get complaints? You sound like you sound like we got complaints. No, no, no one complained. I I, I heard nothing but nice things. But you oh, know, okay. <laughs> it, it's it's like when the when the characters change randomly for an episode, and you're not sure if it's gonna stay that way. Oh, gotcha. No, it was the end of the year. There's it was Jack all the talk about. We want to have some fun. Totally, totally. It's like um, uh, 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 Stranger Things season two, where there was like basically the X Men showed up, and it was going to be a spinoff. It was like really serious and kind of weird. I love that you have finally normal. seen Stranger Things, so that I, so that when I say <laughs> season two is my least favorite season, you now know why. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That, that I catch up. I catch up eventually. That stuff farts off way too long. Way too long. And here we are, not talking about heroes, Kyle. Right after you said we're back to talk about heroes. All right. Well, well, things are back on track. I've been streaming again. I've been playing heroes again. The holidays are over. Hades has been put to the side into the late night weekend sort of position. Uh, I am enjoying uh, my platastic adventures with you where I am playing assassin. It was a lot of fun this week as we climbed to plat two and sort of hit our plateau. Mm, we did. We did. Mm, we we yeah. kissed plat one and then lost and went right back to plat two. Um, well, it and it was an interesting case because I think that through the low or high golds and the low plats, our macro was just fantastic. People couldn't deal with the camps we produced, the well-timed things we did before objectives, after objectives, made use of our objectives to get keeps and stuff and get catapults on the field. But in high plant, we hit a wall where basically the enemy team is doing all that stuff okay too. I mean, we and hit one game. We, no, but we, all we, our games but, were like 25 we, minutes. I that think is, that, that really showed how good we were at macro, what our impact on the game was. But I can say for myself that I belong there. Now, you know As what, an assassin oops all gray main account, I, I belong in plat. I, I, my skills could not carry us further in the team fight department. What, what I find really interesting about all this, and you're totally right about that, by the way. Um, I, I had forgotten about how hard fought the wins were. Like every game was about the same length and every game was really close. 
in our most recent session. And, um, but, but where I was going with this is the, the thing that about this, that is impressing, delighting, and surprising me is how in step you and I are because we hadn't been playing much together outside of bonanzas up into this. And yet we're kind of just syncing up and it's almost like we mentally examine this game together once a week. <laughs> I'd say that's where it lies. Right. And, and I brought it up briefly, but I am playing nothing but gray main just because I feel like he does so many jobs so well. And you're in the solo lane doing Sonya's and Rexar's and Malthiel's and having having some pick diversity, which is which is nice. Dude, I, I can't tell you how nice it has been to get to play as many Malthiel games as I've gotten to play since we've started queuing up together. And he's that, fun. Yeah, he he's just so relaxing. It's just. You know, I think I think, Kyle, this is just now dawning on me and I want your take on this. I think Malthiel is Melee Rainer. Hmm. It's just because once you get a couple of very basic control attributes down, you can pilot this hero. And so the hero just becomes purely about decision making. Okay. I've got an odd hero analogy for you. Actually, one in the Diablo universe. He is a lot like Ariel. He's a damaged version of Ariel in a sense. Dibbles? Because if you are getting kited and poked, and can't access the front line, you are just going to have a horrible, horrible time. Oh, you're talking about Malthiel. Uh, yeah. Yes. And both Ariel, both are. I mean, you like I I am building a preference where I don't want to take Malthiel into Hanzo. It's just too much poke. It's so hard to interact with him. And we all know that feeling, right? Maybe the tank is dead over there. You got rid of the Garrosh. Nice job. But now you're just slowly walking towards the enemy team being like, come on, come on, someone step in my shroud. Yeah. Yeah. Which you can, you know, you can get creative. You can snag them every once in a while. But yeah, I, it's, um, it is, it is tough, right? Cause yesterday, what was it? It was the, uh, it was the Kira that was just giving me a hard time. It was really good about just not getting marked by me, but you know, hit me with all our ranged damage over time BS. That was, it was just like every time it felt like every time I needed to go fight, I was healing up from Kira poking. Well, Kira definitely has some power creep in the range of a melee assassin. I mean, think about that, that hook shot, that utility belt business, the spin, the Q that does the carnage. Is that what it's called? <laughs> <laughs> Not a hero I've spent enough time with to uh, to have committed abilities to memory. So, excuse me, while yes, I Google in the background. Is, but all those abilities, like compared to well, uh, the range of cleave on Zeratul, perhaps the range of a dash on Illidan, the Kerrigan pull. It's it's a little. It's she's got a lot. She's got a lot going on. She is a 2020 magic card compared to a. 90s magic card that is fair there's a lot of text but, in those boxes but we've seen that a lot with with totally. heroes of the storm right is the kira is not the only hero that has has been like oh my goodness look at this movement and and kit creep at the end of the day or range creep it, we've seen this across many heroes across many years and yet we still find reasons to go back and visit older moldier less 
movement enabled heroes. Um, so but I, to I your don't, don't want to get me down too much, but yeah. To your point that we're gelling, I do think we're gelling in the most simple way possible, which is off lane and guy who can do camps and cover a lane like Greymane. We are because empowering in that each way, other. Yeah. We rotate. We, we can revolve around the other three randos and make sure all the stuff is getting done. And by nature of having good macro, we report on time. Therefore, the off lane and the off lane, right, or maybe the solo lane and the off lane are both converging on the team. And whatever we do works. We're not doing something crazy and low impact, for instance, like Light Bomb, Anduin, and Johanna Falling Sword. Not that that itself is a bad combo or that it would be low impact, but look at the requirement on the rest of the three to do something in that regard. We could land perfect Deckard Sleeps and Diablo Apox, but we would still require someone else to back it up. Yeah, and yet I'm now also, it, it didn't happen in our most recent session, but it's, it's important to remember the last few, every other session up until yesterday, I have had to tank at least once, if not multiple times. Mm. So I am having to get at, you're getting out of your comfort zone on, on gray main, but I guess I'm a, I have to imagine it's starting to feel more comfortable to you because it's basically all you've been playing. It's getting there. It, it is really, really hard managing two different stutter steps. I think it was Ken Eric came on the show and he said the hardest play uh, game or hero to play is Rainer. Cause you have to know two stutter steps, but that one is so infrequent. Inner Beast is constantly procking, constantly important. Rainer hits Inspire, and you're like, you go, Rainer. <laughs> you, you did it, champ. You're going to have, what, 20% more DPS? I don't have the math in my head, but Greymane is a 50% attack increase, and you will ruin every stutter step when you're messing up those two. Mm. Plus, my, my Curse Bullet is 100% plat, if not gold-level aiming. <laughs> that thing leaf in the winds through entire enemy teams and it is small it is a bullet so i'll give it that it's very small yeah it's not called but, it's not called silver dodgeball it's no. called silver bullets it, it, it it's semi needed i'm still a little that's why i'm a plaid graming because there's still a lot i don't understand because mm. the bullet goes into the tank but I'm not supposed to target the tank. But it's that's that's funny you mentioned that because that's <laughs> how many damn times have we gone? Are we a front to back comp? Yes, yes, we. It's working really well for us. It's true, and when all of the things break- that we've leveraged, like so far, your focus has been on the fact that we are we we're covering all the bases. So that's the other thing is so far everything that you've talked about in in how we're gelling is that we're kind we're kind of covering the basic bases like the macro game we're making sure xp is not getting left behind we're making sure camps hit more or less when they should uh not that we're doing perfect rotations mind you like you and i are just like ah, objective should be relatively soon let's just go grab a camp and that alone is enough to really help us out and really get the map working in our favor um but i think i think that the the cherry on top of this that's really clicking for us is that we're capitalizing on less than stellar targeting by the other random members of teams. Cause a lot of damage is going mm-hmm. into the front line and you're already on gray main and we're 
already seeing a lot of double front line, if not in some cases, triple front line comps being drafted across from us. And I have a big fat uh, desire to play Malthio right now. And so we're just the fact that damage is already going into the front line of the enemy team. And then you and I are able to actually finish that off. I think that's what's really putting us up over the top at the moment. Well, and it's just a delightful learning experience. I have a tank main account, and I can assure you that anytime anyone sees, even without the symbol by them, checks an account that has a higher win rate on tank, you are playing tank forever. So just the ability to play a little Zul'jin. I'd love to play a little bit of Tychus in there. Uh, but mostly I just want to play things that I don't get to normally, like Greymane. I've always loved his kid. I think, uh, you know, I, I, I've complained about him. Uh, incendiary elixir enough oh, i'm good there <laughs> yeah yeah so it's just, it's just been fascinating it, this isn't the first time you and i have tried playing together but we've, we've never clicked like this before so it's been it's just been nice it turns out winning's fun kyle well that too that too uh certainly there is a lot of conversation going around about the the morals of those wins and I do think that we have quickly found our right spot and we are going to struggle in high plot as I learn all those various lessons about why I should target and how to aim a cursed bullet correctly. Yeah, yeah, because I, I definitely left our most recent session winded, um, but I felt good. Mm-hmm. But the majority, uh, um, let's see, because what at all did I play? The majority of the games, I had to safety soak. Like it was laborious. Um but we got there. That is the mouthy old way. <laughs> well, I also had to do that on that Braxis game where I actually got my dream scenario, which is get to play Rexar on, on Braxis, but the opposing team got a, got a Gazlo and that Gazlo was just setting up. And that was, that was another one where it was like, okay, this is going to be work. And it was, but eventually we got there. Um, but that's definitely where, but, but this, this is cool, right? Like we don't just want to be like blindly winning, like as fun as that is, whatever. Ha ha. Memory. I don't know. What, what were we? we yeet. That was what we, we were yelling. Yeet for the last two weeks. Kyle. You know, we just, <laughs> the we whole just, time. Just want to yeet through some wins. I don't think I'm using that word correctly, but uh, <laughs> like whatever the case is like, I, I'm now learning how that I need to respect my opponents. Cause we are, we found our, our, our equal matchups. Yeah, and good on the system to get us there so quickly with so few games played. Yeah, because we're not slamming games every week. We're like playing like we have like one good session a week, maybe two. Yeah, we get about maybe four games max in doing this sort of business. But yeah, uh, we we are covering the ongoing Smurf conversations that are happening over on Reddit right now. They are still in the. The usual phase, the monthly phase, I would love to get some data that we can talk about and maybe we'll discuss that in the future as we start to figure out what's going on. But right now we're going to dodge that conversation for this week. It's just, yeah, it's just the usual. It's there's nothing new to discuss, right? Like the nothing, there hasn't been a major shakeup in the game in any way. We haven't even had a, had a, had a balance update, let alone any sort of anything on the level of an anomaly or a new hero since since Hogger, which I realize Hogger is is relatively fresh, but we all kind of know what Hogger does. We ban Hogger, or we lament the fact that we're now facing uh, a Hogger <laughs> on the opposing side. Um, and this does this does tend to be the trend of community focus in Heroes of the Storm is that when there's not a new puzzle to solve 
and discuss, the discussion turns back to smurfing. And I think each game has its own topic. I'm sure World of Warcraft during its slower times immediately falls into its old discussions. I uh, yeah, I guess it's usually uh, vanilla was better. <laughs> <laughs> but they have proof now. Yes, yeah, see, but no, Kyle, they don't, because that's not real vanilla. Oh, that's how foolish of me. Yeah, that's your uh, grocery store brand vanilla ice cream made with seaweed instead of real pro- uh, dairy products or whatever it is they put in fake ice cream. Hmm. There's an analogy there somewhere. I'm, yeah, I, I was down there. You know, I was shopping at a Whole Foods recently. I feel you. <laughs> now I just want Ben and Jerry's. That's all. All I came out of that little analogy with. Um, outside of uh, outside of those sort of stories, my my journeys of the week have mostly been relearning how to APOC combo Diablo. It was funny how much that skill waned during Gladiator's Medallion. I honestly, it's such an important skill, one I've known about for a very, very long time, but one that I haven't really trusted my teammates to invest in. I, you know, the idea of putting my heroic out having to charge somebody and put them back on now costing me three abilities, including the heroic. It's a little spooky to pull off in the hopes that someone else is going to follow me up. But as I continue to work towards that master's goal, it is a skill that has taken me some time. The movement speed change delayed that a little bit because I messed up those timings. I felt like I was finally getting okay at it. And then gladiators medallion hits and it's just completely counterable. And now I'm back on that horse finally landing those things and feeling pretty good about it. Beyond that, the only really interesting thing I've heard this week is that Ice Fury Wand is now meta. If you're not familiar with that ability, this is the level 7 talent for Jaina. Basic attacks against chilled heroes deal 100% more damage and lower the cooldown of Blizzard by 2.5 seconds. So this is officially cool to use. Pun intended? Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> Unintentional. I mean, it's it's still up against like Ice Lance, which is that cooldown reduction. A lot of people like the melee Jaina Ice Flows business, but Ice Fury Wand has taken the lead by about 5% win rate. And I expect it'll continue to climb in pick rate over the other two in the coming weeks. Yeah, yeah. This is really good build diversity on Jaina. Uh especially at level seven, we're, we're approaching pretty damn close to equal pick rates between Ice Lance, Ice Flows, and Ice Fury Wand. The most obvious thing, the second you look at it, is the fact that Ice Fury Wand is the only talent on the tier with a higher than 50% win percentage. Ice Lance and Ice Flows are both tied at 48%, and Ice Fury Wand is sitting there at 53 and change. So it's working out. Um, it's still the lesser picked, but it's really close. It is like neck and neck with pick rate. I'm really curious what they're going to do with Hogger. Everything in the world is saying Hogger is OP if you can play him, and most people can't. And that's not a diss. Like, I, I too, would rather have a Last Rites hit than a Hogger do whatever he does, uh, Horde upholding perfectly to get a kill. So we, we've entered a frustrating time for a lot of players where our top-end tournament players, Grandmasters, are telling us things that are OP and crushing, that aren't viable in our home games. A lot like things like Genji or Medivh. But we all are able to take that and swallow that pill because their win rates are so low that we can say, well, absolutely, they must be hard to play. Well done. So Hogger is, Hogger is this anomaly where it's, 
difficult to play, but bringing home the win rates, even in Storm League. Exactly. So I think everyone's kind of looking at at least some sort of nerf for Hog Wild coming up. I'm still putting my money on the 19th. Uh, it, this matches last year's rotation of patches. We had to wait a long time for Deathwing to get balanced. And I don't think for like advertising sake, for just casual play of the game, that letting a new hero simmer for that long is necessarily bad. I I don't think that there's anything villainous that the game designers do on their end. I don't think they sit there and, you know, listen to the bills go in their ears while they go, oh, I love re- re- releasing OP heroes. That feels so good. No. But no one wants to buy a underperforming hero. And in this time of year, with COVID in the background, people working from home, I fully expect that this is just going to last a long time. Uh, I agree. And and if we were to simplify for the sake of this conversation and say the, your binary options are release the hero overpowered, release the hero underpowered, I would rather have it overpowered, shake some things up, even if that shakeup is going to start to feel like the norm because it's going to be here for more than four weeks. So be it. That's more interesting to me. And we can try and keep it in check in draft. Agreed. So that's, that's where I land. But yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I don't, I don't think we're going to get a shakeup next week. Do you think there's anything in the back of their mind going, let's wait till CCL finals are over? No, I, I you, know, you I don't think don't... there's like a kernel, just a kernel. Hmm. The difficulty is a lot like content creation, I'm sure. When you work on a video game, your knowledge of fandoms about your video game are probably a lot lower than the consumer side of things. So while they might, you know, head over to a service like Heroes Profile and look at the CCL profiles in there and be like, oh, look at the look at the win rates on these various things. That's interesting. Maybe I should do something about it. I highly doubt any of them know the particulars of what happened in every game. It is just too taxing for content creators and video game designers to absorb that much content. Mm. I have to imagine it's a thought in somebody's head. (laughs) Absolutely. And (laughs) and I think that in a perfect world with a infinite staff, it would be really good to have a dramaturg in a sense. Somebody, a historian. They've done that for World of Warcraft, I guess. They hire historians. But are they writers? I've never really understood what they do. Fictitious historians? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and I'm not making a call, by the way. I've always fallen on the side, and we haven't had this talk on in here since HCC ended, but I've always fallen on the side of, if you think a change needs to be made, just make it, because it's a change for everyone. Like, and I, and I realize that not everyone agrees with that on the esports side of things, that they'd rather change its weight until you know major tournament dates are done and over with but i've always been like whatever if it changes it changes for everyone everyone has to adapt to it um i'm simply just saying that i have to imagine it's come across somebody's mind on the heroes team sure it would be on my mind if i were to press the button that says go on a balance patch because i wouldn't want to upset my top end players who are then going to disperse their feelings amongst everybody who parrots them. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think that's well said. 
So we'll uh, we'll see. We'll see. I uh, I can't wait to say we were right or we were wrong. That's a good way to put it. <laughs> and we do. Well, I can't wait to say what our guest is next week. Oh yes, yeah. We have a we have a guest next week, and and you just confirmed it. So by all means, uh, as the person who put in the work of, of booking the guest, who's coming on next week, Kyle? Next week, we're going to have Mike Udall on the show. If it's a balanced patch, well, he's certainly a pro at Storm League, and we'll enjoy talking to him about that and how his Team 30K is going to be shooken up by that patch. But if it's not, we're just going to talk, hang out about Heroes of the Storm, its life since HGC, the rise of CCL, and, of course, what's happening over in that CCL as it reaches its playoffs and into the finals. I'm looking forward to chatting with him. It's going to be a good time. Yeah. So he's been tweeting at us a lot. Finally going to get him on. It's about, about yeah, time. It, it's been a long time coming, but I, I also want to take that opportunity to say thank you to the patrons who allow us to have such fabulous guests on and support them and compensate them for their time, which we do. We do, which uh, we didn't used to be able to do, but thanks to your support, we can now do that. So um, if you want to help us keep doing that and also help us keep doing this show, check out patreon.com slash it. N. And we got uh, quite a few new patrons over the holiday break, Kyle, which just warms my heart because it's the holiday break. I get it. I understand. But thank you so much, everybody. So uh, I'm going to go with uh, uh, Simon DeMaio. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, Dominic uh, Briceboy, John McClellian, and uh, RKIVS, Archives. Archives. I, I don't know how to pronounce everybody's handle sometimes, Kyle. They throw me for. I just sometimes. go with Kivs. Kivs, okay. Kivs. Yeah, our Kivs. Sometimes we just you know ride the French of things and just bail on a couple letters. <laughs> yeah, but thank you everybody uh, for your support, and we appreciate it. Go check it out: Patreon.com/itn. Come join our Discord. Come sign up for our monthly game nights, and uh, get yourself some other perks. But. Uh, Anyways, Kyle, let's um, let's get into what the community has been talking about in this week's Heroes of the Storm news. We're on, boys! <laughs> let's liven up this place! The moment is upon us. Yes, I'd mana tap that. So there was an interesting conversation being had on the Reddit this week, which was talking about how quick match over the break kind of just felt like brawl because they're aren't a lot, if any, of tanks or healers being played. Um, and this post was mostly talking about how can we incentivize people to play tanks and heal healers in quick match. Um, and the original post was kind of framed for, in the direction of like giving more bonus XP, putting more of a carrot on the end of the stick. Uh, original post is called how much XP bonus would you need to play tank slash heal in QM? Um, so go check that out if you want. We have a link in the show notes. Um, but what was particularly interesting was a reply by Reddit user Warsage that uh, essentially said, in their opinion, the biggest impediment to playing tank and healer is the uh, inability to clear waves. That's fascinating. And I, 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 I think it's kind of, it doesn't really grind with my brain at all in terms of healer, but, but tank, I go, wait a minute, there's plenty of tanks with wave clear. But then I had to take a break and take a step back, Kyle, and go, wait, what's my definition of plenty? Yeah, and you listed them here. You got Blaze, Johanna, and Stitches. Yeah, and 
Uh, hold on. Let me let me make a formatting adjustment to stitches. <laughs> so I just did a strike through because stitches is not a tank. <laughs> oh, I see. Oh, I see. Yeah. I yeah. see. We don't have a tank if there's a stitches and no one else. There was a cute idea I saw this week about stitches being able to allied gorge and that would help him be a tank. That would be cool and flavorful as hell. And I'm not just talking what your uh, allies taste like. Yeah, it would, it would be interesting. Uh, yeah. Certainly it would quickly find its way one way or another in the opinions of the of the audience. I don't know if I'd want to be repositioned in some of my better moments. It's always kind of scary. Works you for Anduin. Uh, you, you, yeah, but you could pop, you know, something like uh, Maelstrom and Stitches Eats you. Now there's no ability at all. What would be cool is if like That's... things like Maelstrom and Last or uh, Tormented Soul kept going. And so you had a Stitches who was putting out death shrouds and stuff. Uh, I was see, I was thinking you pause it. And then so when you come out, it's it picks up at whatever amount of time was left on the ability when you win it. That'd be interesting. I know that right now it is not a time stop. So you are like Maul losing duration in there. Yeah, well, Maw is something you do to enemies, so you would want that upside, whereas if Stitches was gorging friendlies to save their lives, that would be an upside, and it, to, to me, it makes sense. I mean, you can have a balanced discussion, of course, but I think there's an argument for pausing the sure. timer. Um, it would be a nice caveat, and I'm sure the Blizz designers would just say, oh my goodness, we gave you Helping Hook already. What what more do you need? Why would you use your heroic to do this? But it's a cute idea. Anyway, moving back to the conversation. Yes, it is very interesting. And I do think there is a snowball effect in the, oh gosh, I'm going to say it, player education that something like this could aid in. I just don't know how far we would want to go, what direction it would take, if it would be like a, a quick match anomaly kind of level of things where tanks have more lane clear. They basically get an affix like Johanna has on her old Knights takes pawn and moved into condemn that tanks just have an ability that helps lane clear Diablo's flame stomp does more lane clear inside of quick match. The real problem is that people learn the game through quick match and then they start to explore their avenues as they collect heroes. The correct way to play a tank is never to be seen for the most part to be warding, to be looking around for the enemy and not hanging out in lanes where the enemy knows they're perfectly safe from all your beautiful CC and knows what angle you're going to take as that lane falls. You're revealed for a moment as you start to ride top on Cursile. They know you're on your way. There's just a lot of problems that arise when a tank is in lane, but they're constantly covering lanes because people don't stop team fighting. Yes, and that's an interesting part, right? Because I, I don't think this comment is off base at all, talking about the lack of wave clear on both the tank and the healer role. But how much of that is by design, right? Like, there should Absolutely be limitations. We went through a whole time where that became the thing. Yes, there should be intentional limitations and weak points in what each role brings to the team, right? And then also subdivide that between the entire roster of a role. Because we have, what, 13 tanks? Should all of them have wave clear? And, and that's not necessarily what, what this commenter was putting forward, but if, if you're going to make uh, I, what I think is an interesting uh, general statement that lack of lane clear is a, a big 
uh, negative and a big kind of deterrent to wanting to fill these roles. Well, how much of this roster should actually even be able to do that, if any? Because it certainly seems like Healer, they don't want them to lane clear. Period. Right. Which makes sense. We went through a time where that was more possible. It wasn't amazing, but it was more possible due to their damage numbers. And that, of course, led to double support times and offlane supports who can feel invincible. But look at comparison, something like our bruiser creep and why CCL players and tournament players are really starting to do double bruiser comps and just skipping the tank entirely. Their survivability is insane. Their lane clear is great. Their health is great. Their damage is great. So in our home games, we might need an ETC to hit a power slide so we all know what we're going to attack. But when we can actually coordinate on the same target, Imperius is perfect. He has the big holdup of bad lane clear, though, which makes him interesting in that draft environment. I don't want to enter a world where, where Vala clears as fast as Jaina either. It's absolutely part of how the whole draft system goes and how you can analyze and win a game outside your opponents. I hear constantly from Cavalier Guest in our heroes lounge practices that we don't ever team fight it's a really sad thing to hear because you're like but i like the team fights but there are comps like a johanna tomb of the spider queen comp where if we just clear faster than them the entire game and never pick a fight we're never going to lose any gems we turn in over and over again and they're locked out but it's not as fun as the other idea <laughs> yeah yeah, and, it's, and, and, and that's where I think you can continue to have this conversation, right? Especially if the focus is on quick match, because I think the fun, like fun is just going to outweigh so much in a mode like quick match, right? Like if you're there because you want to do something very specific. Because if you didn't, like if you really cared about having a balanced composition, you wouldn't be playing in this mode in the first place. If that was your most important concern was having a, a proper roster heading into a game, you would go draft. But you're not drafting, you're in quick match. So there's a part of you, there's, there's, there's an inherent selfish buy-in, I think, to quick match in uh, to begin with, which I don't think is a bad thing. There's a reason sure, I, it's the most played mode. Right, and I want to I wanna immediately eject from this conversation the friends conundrum, which is that you play quick match you invite your friends to play quick match with you and you have a bad time. And now your friends don't want to play this game. I don't think we can fix that part of it with lane clear or anything else. You're but playing against interesting. real people. <laughs> you want to guarantee you, you have a good time. Go to, go to AI, right? Go play Vermintide or something like that and put it to a low difficulty. If you want to crash it. Yeah. It is interesting though, for those who do want to learn the game, who look at a comp and say, man, our tank wasn't that good. Or could I tank play tank better? And you grab something like Malganus and you end up covering a lane for a little bit because you know it's important because you've read guides. And you just go, wow, this sucks. This is boring. Should I adapt my build? Should I pick up something like Echoes so I do a little bit of more lane clear? How long am I going to be here? Is this, is this how I should play the game? this is just not fun and i absolutely see that side of things people aren't evolving off of the flashy kalefosses and maybe even kiros and the like and asmodans that feel good in quick match because the second they switch to healer or tank because they saw one that worked or they wanted to try it out 
the feeling is just bad. And now they know they need to take camps. They know they need to clear that lane. They know they shouldn't team fight. And so that anxiety and anger starts building and building. And lo and behold, quick match becomes a toxic place because of this. So what is the solution? Do we need a solution? It's an interesting conundrum because someone has to lose, right? <laughs> yes. We, how, how much off the beaten path are we getting, though? Like, bringing it back to the tanks and the healers and the lack of lane clear, where, where does the balance lie? And it's not in rules. We had a game earlier, you and I, in Quick Match, where we had an Ana and they had a Morales. And with no tank and no reliable CC, we couldn't stop Morales' healing, and she healed three times the Ana. And while the Ana was a little salty, and you know that, that did cause us to be like, come on now, Ana. She, ha- she was aiming at what? A Vala? A Zagara? Her biggest target was the Zagara and the Gazlo? Like, there was nothing that was really going to stand still for her for a long time. Morales's ease of execution compared to Ana's simply caused the enemy team to wipe us out. And we did a good job. We, we, we played tower defense. We were in that castle for a long time and made it last 25, 30 minutes. But there was no way we were going to win that. So the answer is not to stack on ridiculous rules like, oh, man, well, we can't ever have a Morales go up against a Kyrazim or Ana because their healing numbers are going to be so much lower. And we're dividing people into like damage tiers and like, well, we couldn't possibly autopilot a Kael'thas into an Orphea because he's easier to play. That's where I hit the wall on this conversation because quick match is going to be quick match no matter what we do, unless we impose hard comp rules, which did not work with people's Q sensibilities in the past. And and even if like they did, there'd still be concerns, right? Like even back when they were trying to have every game, have a healer in a tank, like we're having a conversation about lane clear right now. What, what would happen if you got, you know, good lane clear tank versus bad lane clear tank in that system? There's still a measurable deficit that's going to piss somebody off. Well, and, and look how confusing it can be just in a simple comp change up like Gul'dan Rainer. That's something I struggle with on tank. I don't really understand that damage output when I'm constantly playing with mage sustain where the front is damage and then you have the rainer deal damage along the way while you try not to die but when you're fighting with two sustains it's like should when do i go in what <laughs> where's where's the explosive moment that makes me go ah yes uh, allow me to charge here we go yeah no that, that that makes sense um but i think this is all why i enjoy the framing device of having this conversation with lane clear. I don't think it's the end all be all obviously that there, there are other factors to consider. Right. Um, but like my brain goes, I like that healers don't have lane clear. We gave healers lane clear. It was a major problem, but what about Mm -hmm. tanks? Because if it really is blaze Johanna stitches that have anything in the realm of decent lane clear, well, there's 13 tanks, three of them, two and a half have good lane clear, can we spread that out a little bit more? I wouldn't want an augment, an affix, a change to tanks and supports to make them deal more damage in quick match environments. But it would be interesting to have quick match exclusive talents 
that would go very much along the way of how Dota's level up system works, where you can choose between increasing one of your abilities or raw stats. If I am solo Uther, healer and tank in quick match, and I have the option to pick plus 500 health instead of some wave of light thing that's going to increase healing output, that wouldn't be a bad option. I could augment myself. I could get more lane clear on a tank if I wanted it. Hmm. Now, of course, I'm asking balance designers from my understanding of why pool party doesn't exist and the random brawls don't come back. Every time they balance, they have to somehow copy paste those into the other modes and they would have to balance probably by data entry hand all those heroes talents again for quick match. So it's not an efficient way to go about things. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about that one. I don't, you know, I don't, <laughs> I don't think quick match is a great way to practice, but it is you can somewhat practice, right? Yeah, um, it's a great it's a great way to learn your limitations. And that's something I got to talk to Kira about in my last Heroes Hearth video. I got to interview him about his Zera tool. And he was basically saying do a cleave build with Might of the Arazim so you can lane clear so that you're useful to the team. But always push your limits as you're learning that hero. Constantly go in and just see how you can trade. But then go back to lane clear so nobody hates you. As you slowly improve and you learn that you can 1v1 an Orphea, no problem, for instance, that's when you move to a more blink-based build, maybe even auto-attack-based build on Zeratul and get away from all the cleave talents. I like the idea of get crazy, but pay your taxes. Yeah. <laughs> that's a good way to do it, yeah. Just do your homework first before you have fun. Go out on your front lawn, lawn and scream so your neighbors think you're weird, but then you know, just make sure you're also paying your bills on time. <laughs> okay you know i don't think those uh, the screaming i think is paying the taxes part of being left alone <laughs> Fair. you can purposely act like a weirdo and your benefit is nobody talks to you in the grocery line so many analogies entering my head and i'm just gonna i'm just gonna pull out of this nosedive <laughs> so sounds good um before we leave i would like to look at tanks and say, do you think there's anyone else that we could, we, any other tanks we could give, a, we could shore up their lane clear? Because there's two obvious ones where I think their lane clear should be better than it is just because of the way that their kit works, and I'm surprised they're not more efficient at lane clear. Who's that? Diablo and Arthas. Oh, just because they're stomping on it, oaring on it. They're, yeah. they're touching it in some way that makes it seem like it should be dying. They're, yes, they're doing a lot of AoE damage. Why aren't hmm. they doing enough AoE damage to lane? It's an interesting thought. I've had a, I've been on a bit of a, a May tirade recently, but only in two lane maps because I hate, I hate her lane clear so much. That's and, a good point too. And there's, there's a hero that has a uh, blizzard, which is like, uh, uh, although I mean, blizzard does help you with the lane clear and you can make it work, but you don't want to because blizzard is so important and such an integral piece of your team fighting kit. Right. There's also elements there of why I'm taking May on two lane maps. And that's, my team is almost always four stacks right behind me and watching where I am. Whereas in three lane maps, I'm always having to move around and get weird. And there's lots of lots and lots of space for people to dodge the blizzard. Granted, something like Hanamura, plenty of room to dodge a blizzard. But the focus of everyone watching me allows that blizzard to be more impactful. There are certainly things like for mana exchange could feel better like a Nubarak. If you real, let's say, you know, you're, you're a smart person. You're watching the mini map, five people in the top, nothing bad's happening, but you know where the whole enemy team is. 
and you're going to burrow, charge, impale, and shield to put out a bunch of beetles. And that lane goes about as slow as anything, as slow as that Arthas would. Mm. So per point of mana, is there something we can do in there? Now, of course, some heroes have talents like ETC's Echo Pedal, which is great. It's very late. It's really tough to say, oh, I'll be good at level seven (laughs) for for my team. Allow me to start looking at maybe a stage dive build to compensate for this lack of lane clear. Yeah, and that's that's where it gets weird, right? So do we start to come back around to, well, maybe no tank should have strong lane clear? Well, Or is it okay that there's just a small handful that are decent at it? We don't want homogenization and that what's that's what makes heroes so cool. And I love that Stitches has the lane clear, but it's tied to what I would say is a non-essential ability. And Blaze has lane clear, but it's tied to his control, yet doesn't take his stun. So again, we can kind of say that's non-essential ability. But when I look at something like Condemn, that would be Johanna's primary engage. There's something interesting there. That she is spending that ability, that it is on cooldown should she choose to do lane clear with it. So what if we gave that option to someone like Garrosh? What if Garrosh could use Wrecking Ball for lane clear when he threw just a minion? We take a valuable cooldown away from a hero in order to give them that ability. So then where, like, where does it really become like a non-choice? Because you have May where you just, Blizzard could help you, but you don't do it. But on Johanna, it's okay to condemn. Sure. That's that's where I find the interesting question that I don't know the answer to. Like, why is it is it that condemn is just that efficient that it is worth putting it on cooldown for the clear that it brings versus May's Blizzard? Is it the cooldown difference? I actually don't know what it is off the top of my head. I'm googling in the background. But well, I think too something like Sin's Exposed being a level four talent means that Johanna can mark all the targets, increase the damage, and land that big condemn that causes the bonus damage. You could also do something easier without taking multiple cooldowns, like Eternal Retaliation, which a lot of people swear by in the mid and low leagues, just to keep condemning over and over again when you're hitting all those targets on Tomb of the Spider Queen. Mm. So, so it 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 luckily for us, the game is complex. And this is an interesting conversation because it is so puzzled. But I would be very curious to see if they could shore those up. Now, on the healer side of things, we've been there. It's an issue. I think that Rhaegar's lane clear is okay. And he suffers from a lot of zoning out, lack of healing compared to others that keep him in check. I don't think the supports necessarily need it. And I don't think support players wanted if i'm coming from something like world of warcraft where you have to beg and plead your healers to throw out a smite every once in a while please dps the boss i'm healing well you get the boss would die sooner if we all wanted in this regard (laughs) i have no idea if this is a thing in a while right now (laughs) but i might not be a way it might be an older thing i get i get your point i get your point nonetheless um yeah. It's complex, right? It's it's just yeah, I don't know. It's 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 interesting because we we talk so much about quick matches being like you're going there cuz you want to have fun, right? And like I don't I don't think of wave wave clear as fun. 
But I do think of mitigating frustration by lack of wave clear and being empowered to do so, helping in the pursuit of fun. Right. So it's 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 a lot of indirect concepts we're we're covering right now. And I absolutely see where this poster was coming from that this could be the birth of frustration. This is why people don't want to play quick match. Yeah. And it's fair. I think it's definitely part of it for sure. So, um, interesting nonetheless, but, um, CCL Kyle changing gears. CCL CCL is hitting the playoffs this weekend. The one of uh, two weekends of semifinals into the finals, I believe. Um, and uh, it's been going on for, for quite a while, but now that we're kind of getting to the getting to the end here, I have a feeling uh, a lot more people are going to perk up, put some eyeballs on this. Sure. And uh, and so, yeah, it's looking like so this is the first weekend of the playoffs. We're going to have two days of games and then we're going to take a break until the next weekend where we'll get into the second weekend of the semifinals uh, and then we'll take one more break to get to the grand finals, which it looks like will include the losers finals. And then whoever wins that gets bracketed against whoever came in from the winners finals the week before. Um, so I was curious, uh, cause I, you know, there's a good amount of these names. I recognize some of them. I don't remember as much. Um, and I wanted to kind of give our listeners at home, uh, the, why they should care rundown. Um, I like it. Because I love a good storyline in esports, and I don't always think it's as obvious uh, as as I'd like it to be. Um, but there is so much HGC pedigree spread across all of the rosters that are about to face off just this weekend. And there's three more teams that are already seated that we're not going to see for two weekends. Um, but this weekend alone, um, if you're unfamiliar with how they're how they're doing this, we're kicking it off with two teams playing against each other. And then, you know, based on uh, the season record of each team, uh, three more teams are already waiting in, in the semis here in the wings. So starting off at the lowest end of the, of their record for the season, Granite gaming is going to play chili mountain, the winner of which will then go against simplicity. The winner of that will then go against sidestep Kings. And the winner of that will play against 30 K the winner of which will be seated into, uh, the like actual semis against crowd control wild heart and oxygen are already bracketed against each other, but we're not going to see that game until January 16th or that match. So, um, as to why you should care back to that HTC pedigree, there is an absolute ton of it. Um, so granite who we're going to see this weekend, uh, bad Benny of method and fanatic fame back in the HTC days is the head coach. Um, and then we also have, uh, we have, uh, Nick, we have Nintori and we have, uh, Henning, all of which, uh, played in HGC, uh, across, um, team expert methods, Scythe esports and singularity esports. And that's just one team. <laughs> so there's a lot there. If you're an old HGC fan, uh, chili mountain Schwimpy is the coach It's owned by chill rog, as you were mentioning, uh, at the, uh, during the pre-show. Uh, we have uh, um, um, Make, who uh, played for Monkey Menagerie in HGC, Dark Chimera, who was on LFM Esports in HGC, and Dark Mock, who was uh, on Granite Gaming uh, in HGC. Interestingly enough, yeah. But now on Chili Mountain. 
Yeah. Um, there's actually quite a few uh, old school Granite Gaming roster members spread across other teams uh, that are not Granite Gaming now. Then we also have uh, Simplicity, uh, whose head coach, Yuge, uh, previously coached Gale Force Esports. Uh, we have a ton of Team Freedom alums uh, with uh, Lutano, uh, Killazion, um, and Cure, all of which had been previously on Team Freedom um, at various points of, of HGC. And Team Freedom was third place NA, I think, in the final season of HGC. Um, so we were, you know, cheering for them here. Um, and then also uh, their flex player, Hosty, was on Simplicity's original team in the 2018 HGC season. And then Sidestep Kings, if you're unaware, is owned by Fan. A lot of people probably already aware of that. Um, but then Caterpillar played for Complexity and Tempo Storm. Uh, Jun played for Tempo Storm. Uh, from 2017 until HTC ended, uh, Kyocha uh, was uh, our, on the team that was our final world championship uh, champions, uh, MVP Black, and the 2017 champion team, uh, which was still uh, what was KFC, K, KSV Black before they changed sponsorship. But it was basically the same roster, so back-to-back world champs there. And then Hyde on sidestep uh, was on Tempest from 2016 until HGC ended in 2018. Um, and then finally, 30K, owned by Michael Udall. We're going to talk to him next week. Uh, Hasawabs is on 30K, which, guy you and I remember from our StarCast days as a Protoss oh, yeah. player in StarCraft II. Uh, before that, played in WarCraft III, I believe, as an undead player. Uh, and then played for Team Liquid in uh, Heroes of the Storm from 2017 until HTC ended. BBJ was on Hero Hearth's team during HTC's final season. Uh, Fury played for LFM esports and Gale Force esports across their career. Uh, and then uh, Ty used to play on Granite. Um, and he's also had uh, really consistently good results in Heroes Hype. So uh, just a ton of uh, old school Heroes of the Storm esports pedigree here across just this first weekend. It will be good to see it narrow down and start to, as funny and sad as that may be to say, focus on the teams i have been looking at the ccl as an opportunity to see particular heroes be played and i am laser focused on those certain heroes when they are picked and they pique my curiosity i feel like i haven't really gotten to know the teams over the course of the ccl and that's just my view as a consumer of it certainly a casual consumer of it because i look for in advance the type of games that i'm then going to invest in I look at the YouTube, I say, hmm, went only three games. Well, you know, must have not been a very good series. I'll skip that one. Oh, but this one went all five. Let me invest in that one. I I, want to make sure I caveat all those statements because I know these teams have been working really hard to showcase their personality, showcase their players, do player interviews. It just hasn't been received by me as a casual consumer. So it's it's a cheat to say, oh, I can't wait to see what they do next season. How are they going to improve that? No, the downtime has been awesome and short. They've had great analysis with Bahamut gaining the chair in the casting, as well as keeping Grubby and, uh, oh, frankly, I forget his name at the moment, our Overwatch caster. Doa. Working the desk. Yeah, Doa. Keeping that going. It's been a great production. I I think... um what you're experiencing is pretty damn common. I think in any sort of competition, if uh, especially not that 
I was going to say, especially if you're new to it, but not necessarily new to it, but this is a new competition, right? Like these are uh, for the most part, completely changed rosters from what we're used to. The, the only one that like looks somewhat similar to a roster we knew before is simplicity because so much of that came, so much of that roster came from team freedom. Um, but anytime you're, I think getting into a, a competition for any sort uh, of competitive, be it sport or what have you, that you're interested in, you're probably going to gravitate towards what you're familiar with. And so I think in here's the storm that is heroes. Right. And when we first started watching Starcraft two esports all you know, 10 years ago, Kyle, when we started podcasting together, we, you and I gravitated to players that played the races that we liked playing. I think the same thing is here for Heroes of the Storm. Uh, and, and that probably uh, I don't have a baseball analogy for you, Kyle, unless you play baseball, which I'm pretty sure you didn't because you're like me. You're about as coordinated as a I don't know, a bat in daylight. <laughs> but um, uh like I, I, when I first started following uh, formula drift, I wanted to, I was rooting for cars that were cars I knew or have owned. I knew Jack about the drivers, but now I root for the drivers. Cause like, I know their story. I followed it long enough. So I think over time and especially, I think now that we have fewer teams to worry about, you're, you're going to start to, you know, glom onto the stories and the storylines and the personalities you know, behind the keyboard. And I do like that it has been a very team-friendly turn. That is to say, though, that it can be really hard to follow. Uh, the standing, the group stage was about points. Uh, and it was a very, you know, one-to-one -one kind of point. You won a game, you got a point. Or you won a match, you got a point. It wasn't that big of a complex deal. But man, I know they all hate it. I know players hate single elimination, but it is just so smooth. <laughs> it's so understandable i'm like oh they lost they're losers there they go uh there is no like oh but they lost and they got three points out of that one well you know they'll be okay yeah yeah i, I mean i will never i don't think i'll ever leave uh preferring uh the gsl starcraft 2 group stage format where you know every night you got it your own it, it was its own self-contained storyline of this person, four players face off. You get a loser's bracket. Just You get a finals game from the two that win. And then you get a loser's bracket to get your other winner that, that leaves the group. And it was just so nice and easy to understand. Um, whereas we got uh, seven weeks, I believe, was the total amount of weeks of, of, of uh, CCL's first season here. Of Damn. constantly shifting up the teams and having them play each other and whatnot. Um, which There's yeah, also I, player drafts and changes in there that yeah. happen after the players are drafted. Yeah, which I got to say not my jam at all. Um, I thought it would be if we're being a little critical here. I thought I might enjoy that because I really enjoy the sort of hockey football thing that happens where players change teams. It's big and scandalous. And I think it's an interesting strategy game. I think it becomes it more interesting once you've had your first season. Cause we used to talk about it with HGC. Mm. It was like, Oh geez, so-and-so left and went to this team because you have a baseline understanding of who belongs where and their connections to the, to the, their teammates. Right. Um, but we had had such a long break between, you know, everyone watching the same league in heroes that it kind of, it didn't, it didn't work for me. It didn't mean much to me. That's a good point. But you know, this is, this is now uh, I've, I've got my spectator hat on. Like this is just me as a, a viewer, as a fan. Uh, commenting so yeah but 
it should be interesting nonetheless. You know, this is, this is, this is going to, this is much more straightforward. It's easier to wrap your head around. It is much easier to tell a story now. And that's when I think esports is at its best. And that's what we're heading into here with the CCL. Exactly. So we're going to enter the round of eight this weekend. Next weekend, we will start to get down into that round of four. And then those will conclude in the grand finals, which is going to happen on January 23rd. So two weeks and two days from now is when you can expect if you just want to see the best, the best, the ones who made it all the way through the winners and losers finals square off for the very end. And actually, I would say probably set your calendar to January 20 or 17th. January 17th will be the winners finals and the losers finals. And when in esports universe, those are usually the best games. The winners finals and the losers finals can sometimes create these weird vacuums where the two teams never really faced each other. And now there's going to be a stomp. Yes, that, that can absolutely happen. So yeah, if you want to, if you want to make sure you don't miss out on like what is probably the best matchups, you should start then, but still watch the grand finals. Cause sometimes it does work out and you end up with these really, really close, you know, go to all, I think they're doing best of five or no, I think the grand finals are best of seven. Um, but it goes to every game possible. You know, that's what you always know. The wild thing will be that the winners finals and the losers finals are going to happen split. So the winners finals happen on the 17th. The losers finals happen on the 23rd. And in between there is when I'm expecting the balance patch to hit. Mm, That is going to be funky for sure. But it also, it it makes the final weekend a bigger event. So I like that they're splitting that up. I agree. I like that quite a bit. So, and and I'm also glad like they're going to a bracketed system for the end here because when it's purely point based, oh, it's such a bummer because sometimes you just know your winner after like your first damn round. Yeah, they've got nothing to do in there but just kind of sit back and wait for the grand finals. Yep. Yeah. So, tune in this weekend. It kicks off. Now, uh, you want to take an email or two before we wrap this up? I do. Darkness stopped calling. Does anyone else hear that buzzing? Hold on. Darkness just texted me. You can send your emails to itncast at gmail.com. If you are supporting us on Patreon, you can just message us directly in the patron discord. Um, Or also on Patreon. People forget you can do that. So figured I would remind you that you can do that as well. Um, But Lupus writes in and wants to know, uh, what happened to Dahaka? I am an offlane main, and although I love the dinosaur, mostly in coordinated play where he gets the most value from me, it seems this meta isn't too kind to him. He suffers versus D.Va, Gaslo, and against the two in-vogue DPS picks of Cassia and Tychus. Uh, I think Chromie is also pretty uh, pretty in-vogue right now, but yeah. Uh, even still, it seems like he'd at least be powerful because of his global when timed well, despite not being amazing at double soaking, but his buffs haven't seemed to move the needle enough to approach a good win rate are we all crazy and in need of shaking up the essence of how we play the haka well done uh, or do we just need to bide our time till the backline dive and double soak offlaner meta subsides um i've always seen the haka as a map pick kyle and am i crazy in that because he seems so dependent on good bush placement he is but when we look at win rates we think see things like 
Volskaya and Towers of Doom. And from my experience, speaking to Dahakas, this may not be every Dahakas experience, they don't very much like those bushes on those particular maps. I've heard a lot of naysaying on the bush placement or vent placement on Volskaya. I mean, Hanamura definitely 100% makes sense. I would not want to be solo in Dahaka, isolated by myself for that long. I would not want to be instructed to go take a camp by any regard. I hate the bushes there. And they wouldn't be as useful, particularly if one side gets pushed out either back or forward. That's a 36% win rate for him in our current patch. Mm. He would have so, probably shined on Warhead Junction uh, had we ever liked it before it got tunnels. Yeah, and I think he too even has a place like Falstad and Brightwing have, even though they can be a little weird on Braxis, because a global there still opens up some strategies and it's always nice to visit your solo lane from time to time. They enjoy it. Yeah. Stop on by. A Cursed Hollow at 45%. I'm not going to naysay because I just don't think there's a lot of Dahakas playing right now. And I don't think the Dahaka mains are playing Dahaka right now. When you compare him to the power creep of Bruisers, his tongue is just too disappointing to miss and too hard to hit. I don't want it to be any different, frankly. So what I would target as his main issue right now, if I were to fix Dahaka, you know, just in my armchair designer, and I'm actually sitting in a chair now, so I'm going to do it. <laughs> I would put Tunneling Claws as passive. It's a level 16 talent, sure, but it has a very high pick rate and a lower win rate than the other picks. So why not give him that edge? Let's That's get him move all Burrow talent, yes? Exactly. Oh, exactly. yeah. God, I always forget. So I don't play Dahaka. I, I um, probably have less than double-digit games logged because I missed a few tongues, and just, you're right, it feels horrible um but i continually forget that tunneling claws is not like it's even talent it just seems like something he should have <laughs> well and burrow's great it does a lot of really good things it dodges a lot of important abilities it allows you to let your heal over time essence or even the end of your adaptation complete and it is an extremely important ability it's still not as important as just knowing how to stick a toe in a bush as you're passing by you know, race car Dahaka is a build and people say it's a lot of fun. But if you're not aware of how you can tickle the edge of a bush before moving on to get that movement speed, you're not really even going to feel the power of the build in the first place. But I think that in this current meta with Chromies, with Junkrats, it is too dangerous for someone like Dahaka to burrow because people can set up on top of him during that time. If we were in a different meta where dodging underground like Pyroblast meta, that is perfectly acceptable. And nothing horrible, horrible is going to happen to Dahaka versus Kael'thas. That wouldn't happen to any other hero who chooses to stand still for a time. But getting a Junkrat bomb placed just on the backside while you're chilling underground getting your health back is maximum disappointment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, Plus, Gazlo, Hogger bring that campability that Dahaka doesn't really have. And then our other extremes and high win rate bruisers like Deathwing and Diva bring something so unique and so outlandish and outrageous to team fights in the way they orchestrate the map. I think that he's just lost his edge. Look at Deathwing, a global hero who has unstoppable at all times. And tell me you want to be restricted to bushes when Deathwing can go anywhere he wants in sight. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. You you make those are all good points, man. Um, and, and, and his his play his his popularity is so low. 
uh, 6% over the last two patches looking at hot slugs. Um, I, I think you're right. Like to me, I used to see a Dahaka get picked and I was scared because it yeah. was this kind of, uh, not, uh, remove your understanding of the term specialist from he- how, what it means. And here's a storm. It was a specialist pick. Like I, I, I saw a Dahaka get picked and I go, damn, ah, crap. You probably play the, the hell out of this. You're, this is probably your main. And I'm probably going to get drug halfway across the map and die a horrible death five to seven times in this game <laughs> as a result. And, and that seems to have gone out the window because now I, I see a Dahaka and I just go cool free kills. And, and I can't really point to what changed other than it does seem like the prowess or the quality of the average Dahaka player has fallen. And I think it's just, he's out of, he he's old and moldy. He has fallen out of, Vogue, as as you put it, uh, dear emailer Lupus. I didn't have the email up at the at the moment, um, and yeah. So I don't I don't think the the seasoned Haka players are playing the Haka at the moment. Is my if I were to infer anything from this? Well, he's got a forty percent win rate in the CCL, so it's not horrible. There's just people doing his job better. And in fact, I got to fight and very, rather regretfully, Glogan's Deathwing this week. And he cast everything over walls. Oh my god, it was horrible, dude. Imagine molten breath always fired behind a wall. Is it just never being able to access never being able to access the Deathwing? You couldn't access and the windups were canceled out because you didn't see the character during the windup animation. He's just he's playing artillery. Yeah, the fire was already on you for something like uh, Wicked Inferno. No, wait, hang on. Conflagration at 16. The fire was already on top of you by the time you even noticed it. And then you were already doing the mini molten flame explosions by the time you walked out of it. It was just, it was horrible. It was super duper cool. And what a way to compensate for that character's main weakness, which is that load up time. When you see the Deathwing, you have all the time in the world to deal with Earth Shatter coming your way. (laughs) Yeah. Earth Shatter, right? Right? I don't play the, I don't play Deathwing. Don't ask me what his things no, are called. Yeah, currently, I did it. currently open. I did it. I don't know. I really like well him. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. But I'm with you on tunneling claws. And, uh, we talked about this last episode, right? Was, was who we would like to see, get some love or maybe it was two episodes ago in the, in, in 2021 as a hockey to the list. Well, and what doth life in chat brings up an interesting point, which isn't you know necessarily based on balance, just on feeling. Uh, Hogger can make terrain, but Dahaga can't make a bush. Like terrain is extremely, extremely important to Hogger, and his ability to make that for himself. You know, Hogger throws trash, and I guess it kind of works, and it's certainly a big part of the kit. I don't know if it would make sense for Dahaka to be a gardener. <laughs> but he could put he could put down like a smelly glob that makes steam that he could use. It doesn't have to be a bush. We have vents, after all. It'd just be a, a a foggy fart. You you could find some way to make it make sense flavor wise, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. Kalthazad can make his own glacial spike to chain two. Who else? Who else is like this? Who else is highly dependent on? something and they can make said something mm. well Kel'Thuzad's an interesting stance because I can't believe it in the passage of time that we allowed the usage of enemy buildings that is so insane <laughs> like 
of all the salt wall crazy things that have happened over the years, the idea that when you're winning, you'd be that much better is just psychotic. I completely forgot about that. Yeah. I barred that from my memory. And it's funny, uh, you know, talking about lane clear and all these different hero abilities too. It's funny that something like rag, he destroys my keep and goes into it and does molten core. My brain doesn't say, Oh, that's just the worst. It, it's loud. It stings. It can do really good core damage if he's making sure all three stacks of his flames land on top of things. But I rarely think to myself that that's broken. <laughs> that shouldn't be. It, I, it's. Do you not get in, like stun like stun locked, right? Like you were in the old Kel'Thuzad example. Yeah, that's true. You're like, Dragged. You're not, you're not almost guaranteed to die to that rag. Like it stinks. Like, yeah, it's, it's everything you described as the downside was more to your buildings. And, and yeah, that is an upside for sure. But you're, you still get to have some control over what happens to you when that rag molten cores. We also have a highest win rate on hero stalker. Uh, pick rate is 53% compared to a 7% and a 38% on our other level four talents. That could be a, a thing to look at too. If the majority of Dahakas want to get their essence via takedowns rather than farming lanes, the fundamental design of the character and his essence might be an issue. That's that is interesting. One who one who collects has a good pick rate, but has way lower win rate. And it's not horrible, but it's fifty percent to minions. And when you want big essence to continue a long fight, Hero Stalker is the way to go. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. But for my own fun, for my own interest, I think Tundon Claws would be great. I honestly hate drag and it stops me from just enjoying the character, but I, I don't want it any other way. Yeah. yeah. Well, we'll see. We'll see what happens with old Ahaka. Uh, Valkymer wrote in, had a couple of questions here. Uh, we're going to start with this one. Kyle mentioned 19th to the 21st of January for his predicted patch date. I'm curious as to why this number and not next week. <clears throat> Kyle Belial. <clears throat> it is merely based entirely off of heroes patch notes in the past. This is the date when Deathwing's balance hit. We had a long, long Christmas meta last year waiting around for that. Let's see. I can pull it up here right now. So we had our 2019 patch hit on the 17th. Uh, this was the bug fixes to queue times. Okay, so we have to go to move. That was a toys event last year hit on the 16th of December. And we had to wait all the way until the 22nd of January 2020 to see any balance to Deathwing who was running rampant. It's to me, it's a perfect mirror of what's happening with Hogger. And yet I wouldn't say Hogger's running rampant. No, because of his difficulty to use, he's also just not as enjoyable, I think, in quick match. Deathwing was a force. And oh, also, also, are you ready for a car analogy? Okay. Not a sexy man. That like mm. Deathwing and just the appeal, the raw appeal of like looking at it. It's just like seeing a hot new sports car for the first time. Although Deathwing is probably more like if you're really into Hummers because he's giant and armored. <laughs> but and then Hogger comes out and you're like, I respect it. I respect it for everything that it is, but it's just not as not as hot and sexy. It needs a better coat of paint and a bigger spoiler. 
Uh, let's let's see. I need to I need to take the the time a bit bigger here. Deathwing spiked in January 2020. What do you mean compare- spiked? Spiked in Google Trends, anyway. Ah. So the the factor of popularity for Deathwing, if it's a hundred, Hogger reached maximum sixty six. Mm. I can tell you, so, we saw uh, Hot Slog's traffic peter out a lot quicker with Hogger than we did with every other new hero. Interestingly enough, while I'm here, uh, Deathwing is loved in South Dakota and Wyoming and Oregon, whereas Hogger is searched for more in Minnesota. Arkansas and South Carolina. People love their Knowles. <laughs> Apparently. They know what they want. And they want hyena people. <laughs> what a strange factoid. Thank you, Kyle. You're welcome. <laughs> Thank you, Kyle. Thank you, Google Trends. Uh Valk also had a uh, an off maybe an off topic. It might also this could be on topic, depending on how you answer uh question. Uh and wants to know what New Year's resolutions and goals we have. Uh, and also wants to know which ones have been given up now seven days in and which one have the best likelihood of surviving the year. Uh, Kyle, I'll go right, right away. Um, I don't usually make news resolutions, but I did think to myself, I should probably not drink as much on weekdays and that's already out the window for obvious reasons. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, we have where in where we move, we have a big, big running trail in the back. So I can't say we've started, but I wouldn't declare I've failed yet either. It has been raining a lot and boy, people run here in the rain in Oregon and I commend them, but I am not interested. I hate frankly. running in the rain, man. It gets in your eyes. Like it's better <laughs> if, I, if I'm out and I get caught running, I get caught out in the rain. God, it's like sunglasses down, but now I can't see, but at least there's less water in my eyes. Well, and I, I would regulate by wearing shorts and the windbreaker jacket up top, right? Because I'm going to get hot running and I want to make sure I, the leg circulation is supplying the coolness. But then once those legs get wet, it just sounds like, oh, my hair would be wet. I'll play some video games. <laughs> so that's that's the one that is hanging in the air right now. Mm. I'm doing I'm doing good. I brought this up months ago. I'm doing great on my workout goals. I've been doing great on my like my my post Flynn is one year old diet goals and getting back to all that sort of stuff. So I've been doing really good there and that'll continue and not as not based on the new year at all. When it comes to Heroes of the Storm, I've already started it and it's with Garrett. I wanted to learn how to play assassin. I wanted to actually get in there get an account where I could practice that and not be stuck on tank all the time. And maybe it'll teach me other lessons. Maybe I'll become a better Garrosh because I know what mouth eel and gray main like to look for. But ultimately I just want to experience a side of the game that I haven't in years. Hmm. Yeah. Like, like, yeah, it's interesting. If anyone's curious of a window into my life, both my, my wife's birthday and my birthday are in January. So we we don't, we don't, we don't make shit for, for resolutions in terms of health or anything because we want to enjoy our birthdays. So, uh, and then we don't usually start running again until the time change because we hate running it when it's dark. So, uh, what happens, Kyle, is I just continue the holiday, uh, eating and enjoying and just enjoying myself up until the end of January, February starts salads, March starts running again. Okay. 
Yeah. See, there's nothing there's nothing wrong with a little seasonal bodyscaping. Mm. And I think it is an insane product of I don't know, People magazine to make fun of like uh, Thor and uh who's who's Aquaman? That was oh, the one I uh, really saw that bothered me. Jason Momoa. Jason Momoa. People were making fun of him on vacation. Why? Was, because because he let his body go. He just got done with Aquaman. He was probably miserable and hungry the whole time. <laughs> And people are making fun of him on vacation. I'm like, you do realize that it is not healthy to maintain that 24-7. You gotta ebb and flow. You gotta have bulk seasons and whatnot. Oh, there's, uh, uh, who's the actor from It's Always Sunny with his his quote about getting in shape. That it's, it's easy as long as you have tons of production budget thrown to personal trainers to keep you on track 24-7. <laughs> yeah, Mac. And that was an impressive body for sure. And the best thing about that show is that they made the joke that nobody cared. <laughs> Because that was a lot of hard work. Oh, my God. I see, yeah. I see images of Thor flipping tires, giant tires. It just looks exhausting. It'd be the only thing I would do that day. <laughs> yeah, no, I usually, I usually uh, enjoy myself uh, from December to January. And then February, I start to course correct with what I eat. And then March, I start to course correct with actually becoming physically active again. See, this is, this is a healthy discussion. That maybe we shouldn't put so much focus on the new year. Maybe we should set off fireworks whenever we want. I I think everyone is different. Uh, Kyle. We're all snowflakes, Kyle. That's true. Find your melting point. That's marketable. <laughs> is it? Because it would be like the snowflake dies. It's probably not the best analogy. Nah. But, you know, I could see but, it on a on a building that you know advertises it has Pilates weekends and stuff. I, I, I get so irritated with like tips, like do your hardest work at two o'clock. Cause that's when you're the most alert. And I'm like, that's when I start mentally checking out for the day. <laughs> My hardest work is tackling first thing out of bed in the morning, or it is not getting done. You know what society would look like if everyone was efficient at the same time. What? Well, I'd probably be okay, but yeah, I think it'd be, just, it'd be perfectly <laughs> fine. It'd be great. It'd be the best time to go for a drive because everyone would be getting work done. Mm. <laughs> it's not the it's not the worst, and if that does work for you, that's great. I'm just saying, like, don't don't get too hung up on like generalizations <laughs> like that. Like that. Oh, it's a new calendar date. It's arbitrary. Do what works for you. This is us. Uh, Rag and Valkymer for their question, though. It was a fun question. Oh, no, not at all. Not at all. I, it, I was, it started to come off that way. That was not my, uh, not my intention. No, I, was just, I was just giving you a real personal answer. I don't, I don't usually really do New Year's resolutions. Uh, it was like year, I think it was 2013, maybe 2012. It was like the only time we ever decided on a thing. It was like, we're going to stop bringing soda into the house. And that's when Katie and I both lost a lot of weight. And we have kept soda out of the house ever since. Still enjoy it on weekends. I had a, we, we have Red Bulls for Fridays. I, I had mine today. I'm exhausted and I had to do this show. That's it. That, that's the only time I've ever like made any sort of edict and actually stuck to it. That, that's it. Everything else is just well done. I do what I need to when I need to do it. So there you go. But uh, yeah, thanks you for your questions, everybody. Keep them coming. ITNcast at gmail.com. I think that's going to wrap it up for this episode. Uh, so, uh, that was, that was fun. Some good, some good questions there. Um, uh, also huge. Thank you. Thank you everyone who's supporting us on Patreon. Thank you to our patrons. Uh, big thanks to our producers, Declan H cheesy, Bob, Chris K Mike C and Sean B 
Thank you very much for your support, everyone. Uh, if you want to catch the back catalog of Into the Nexus episodes, check out amove.tv. They are all on there. Um, I, I wish I could like make a randomized tool where we just shuffle and start playing an old ITN episode so I could see what the randomly just have the meta of like four years ago thrown at me. Mm. See like it was all about. When you were going through old uh, after show games, Kyle, the other day, this is oh, a few weeks a ago. That was wild. I was like, yeah. when did I play Zero Tool? I don't remember mm. this at all. At all. It was nuts. Um, but you can do that over at amove.tv. Uh, you can follow the show on Twitter at ITN Cassie. You can catch us live Thursdays on twitch.tv slash amove.tv. Come join our wonderful chat room. Make some friends. Uh, but before we leave, uh, both Kyle and myself make stuff outside of Into the Nexus. Kyle, where can everyone find your stuff? You can find me over at kyleferguson.com where I do a lot of heroes content for YouTube, but you can also find my Dungeons and Dragons content, which is expanding this week. I'm going to take over as Dungeon Master on the Frog Pants show. There will be dungeons. Very much looking forward to getting to be, uh, well, Dungeon Master. I get to make up stuff. It's you, my favorite role, frankly. I was going to say you're you're very passionate about DMing. Like it's it's a thing that comes out when we're off air and on air. So you know it's 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 nuts. It's like me and cars or cocktails. It's like yeah, the analogies are on the show, and I'm not just doing a bit. These are just things I really like outside of the subject at hand. So yeah, I'm very excited about it. Uh, it is going to be a 12 episode season. So if you've caught other D&D shows before and you're like, man, three hour episodes, those are crazy. Also, uh, this thing's been going for 200 episodes. I don't know if I can invest. This will be a whole new adventure over there on There Will Be Dungeons, and it'll only last for a season of 12 episodes. There may be other seasons, of course, if we continue, but it'll be nice and digestible. Nice. Dude, I miss I miss it. We had a we had two years of a Star Wars campaign going, and I kind of I want to find a reason to get back to it. The internet still hasn't quite caught up. There are, of course, your old tools like Roll20 and Fantasy Grounds, but I'm sad to say that it's really hard to find the tool that's perfect for your home game mm. during these uh, still separate times. I yeah. love DMing in person. Yeah. Well, folks, anyways, go check that out. I'm excited for you, man. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tune in for that. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at GarrettArtAMove.tv for not only this podcast, but every single other one that I produce. Just posted a new episode of The Angry Chicken. Just posted a new episode of Wow Killer. If you're unfamiliar with that, I have another Wow show. I know I guess on the instance, but uh, I have my own show, uh, Wow Killer, that I do with Taliesin, where we talk World of Warcraft. I've been really enjoying Shadowlands. I think it's uh, one of the stronger expansions across Wow's entire history. So you want to hear my thoughts on that? Check out Wow Killer, available wherever podcasts can be found. That's going to wrap it up for this episode of Into the Nexus. Thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. However you get the show, I'm glad that you're getting it. And thank you so much for supporting us. Until next time, good luck and have fun. Take care. Take care.